Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. GX on Agriculture. With Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, today is the final day of Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. We'll hear from media coordinator Teresa Valaton, who says the highlight of yesterday's show was announcing their innovation showcase winners. A geopolitical economist says the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine is going to have serious impacts on future wheat supplies. Peter Zihon spoke at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon this week. We'll hear from him. And an independent economic analysis shows swine cluster research is boosting productivity in the Canadian pork sector. Swine Innovation Pork General Manager Daniel Ramage will explain what swine cluster research is all about. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, we have some cloudy skies here today and not much of a wind at all. Yeah, not much wind and uh, not much coming out of the clouds that are around. Uh, looking to the south, there is still some fog. There is still some flurry. In fact, uh, enough of a flurry to show up on radar, which the uh, nuisance-type flurries that we've seen a lot, they, they don't, but there is just enough moisture packed in that they are showing up a little bit, uh, mainly south of Mooseman right now and pushing across into southwestern Manitoba. So we'll be under, we'll call it mostly cloudy. As mentioned, uh, the, the cloud cover, not a uh, solid overcast uh, but there is certainly plenty of cloudiness around. We're not going to break through to partial uh, to uh, blue sky. We'll break through at least partial sunshine, or at least brighter spots in the overcast through the day. And then as the day goes on, we're going to be watching uh, another little piece of that frontal system, which has been just sort of hanging around. And this one, a uh, little bit of a warm push. There's an upper level disturbance that's coming along with it. The upper level system tracks across for the evening hours tonight. The warm air at the surface follows in. So we'll get a couple of flurries around. Still not amounting to much. We're talking a persistent uh, light snow and flurry threat from mid-afternoon through about mid to late evening. And we're talking a few tenths of centimeters. Nothing uh, as far as significant accumulation goes from this for sure. Minus 7 is our high today. We're breaking through uh, after a sluggish start thanks to the thicker overcast into the uh, peak warming hours. What's actually working against the warming uh, Counterintuitive to the cold, but just uh, the atmosphere in general tends to warm better when it's moving. 
a little bit of a breeze helping things out. We have not had much of that at all today, and that's not, that's working against the warming. It certainly helps to keep the wind chill down when the wind uh, doesn't blow, but at these temperatures, wind chill not a huge factor anyway. The wind will pick up slowly through the afternoon, picking up into the 10 to 20 range by tonight. The flurry threat will end for the evening. We'll get up to minus 7 and barely drop off minus 9 is the low tonight. Tomorrow, a mixture of cloud and sunshine for the middle part of the day, right as that front comes in, a little bit of a gusty breeze, gusts up to 30 for a short time, mostly in the 10 to 20 range and most of the time on the lighter side of that. Minus 4, though, is the high tomorrow. Quite mild for this time of year. Partly cloudy, minus 11 for Friday night and partly sunny on Saturday with a high near minus 5. Cloudiness increases later Saturday. Saturday night, a bit of snow comes in. And this time, it's more of a significant snowfall. Not looking like an overly heavy snow, but some accumulating snow nonetheless from uh, Sunday into Monday morning, a bit of that. And then a little bit of next week, pretty unsettled in terms of keeping the snow around. And what's working toward was working in favor, I should say, of accumulating snow is that it's not that cold. So the snow that falls next week will actually have some moisture to it. We'll be looking at temperatures staying above normal through most of the week. Some dips here and there, uh, but overall we are above normal and, uh, as I mentioned, pretty unsettled after a bit of a break Monday. We'll get into on and off snow showers across much of next week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour... The Paw and Swan River are at minus 14 degrees. Dauphin and Shoal Lake Russell minus 10. Brandon minus 8. Roblin minus 11. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington are at minus 6 degrees. Saskatoon minus 5. Hudson Bay minus 9. Broadview Mooseman Indian Head minus 8. The Yorkton Melville region has a cloudy sky. Calm conditions, 91% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 10 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 12 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 20 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 13 degrees. The normal low is minus 24 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 8.44 this morning, and it will set at 5.17 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Kleefeld at minus 5 degrees. The cold spot was Barron's River at minus 23 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Maple Creek at plus one degree. The cold spot was right here in Yorkton. We got down to minus 20 degrees. And Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Today is the final day of Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. Media coordinator Teresa Valaton says the highlight of yesterday's show was announcing their innovation showcase winners. Absolutely. We were very pleased to award winners and runner-up in seven categories and lots of innovation, lots of new products, new services to see, and most of all, lots of excitement about these new products and services. She goes on to the list the winners and runners-up for each of the categories. In Agritechnology, sponsored by Discovery Farm, the winner was Wi-Fi Bin Monitor by Adaptive Agriculture Solutions, Inc., and the runner-up was Harvest Wall by Harvest Today. In Agribusiness Services, sponsored by Country Guide, 
The winner was Inputs Pro by Inputs Pro Inc. And the runner-up was Farm Advantage by Stonex Financial. In Agricultural Equipment, sponsored by Ag Dealer, the winner was K-Hart with the Spider Disc Drill by K-Hart Industries Limited. And runner-up was Air Blast by Waverco International Inc. Agronomics, sponsored by the Cooperator, the winner was Polysulfate Premium by Taurus Agricultural Marketing. And we will give them a special shout-out because they have generously donated their prize money to the Manitoba Farmer Wellness Program. And the runner-up was Granular Inoculant by Lilman Plant Care. In Animal and Livestock, sponsored by Canadian Cattlemen, the winner was Hay Handler by Pennells Machining and Manufacturing Limited. And the runner-up was Acumix Feed Mixer by Highline Manufacturing. In Farm Built Solutions, sponsored by the Western Producer, the winner was Mobile Telescoping Bin by Ag Minded Research and Development. And the runner-up was RC Farm Straight by Pollutions Limited. And our last category was Farm Safety, sponsored by Green News. And our winner was Jack E's by CSA Construction Limited. We also awarded Best in Show, and that was awarded to Fraser Auction Services Limited. Valaton notes each winner and runner-up wins a prize. Each winner and runner-up does receive prize money. They also receive an advertising credit for going forward and a very nice banner and carpet to display in their booth space. She notes that today is the last chance to check out Manitoba Ag Days this year. Today is the last day for the 2023 show. On tap, we have Josh Linville as our featured speaker, speaking on the international fertilizer landscape. We are selling 50-50 tickets, and it is a hot ticket this year. So far, our pot already exceeds last year's total, and ticket sales will be running through midnight tonight. So you can purchase your ticket online at eggdays.com slash buy 5050. Valaton says the organizers are already looking ahead to next year. Absolutely, always looking forward to next year's show. Certainly, we would invite everyone to come to next year's show. Mark it on your calendar, January 16th through 18th, 2024. And be thinking about innovations that you might want to enter in the Innovation Showcase. So the registration for that Innovation Showcase opens in September, but we know ag innovation happens all year round. So be thinking about those innovations now and be ready to register in September. And she had these final comments. We want to just say thank you very much to everyone who has come to the show. It's been an amazing turnout. We've got excellent feedback from the exhibitors saying they're having great conversations. And we just appreciate all the visitors, volunteers, and, of course, our sponsors. Teresa Valaton is the media coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of the program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Details on programs to be funded under the new five-year Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership will be announced within the next few weeks, at least in Manitoba, according to their Provincial Agriculture Minister. The current five-year Canadian Agricultural Partnership which covers most of the agricultural programs that are funded by the federal and provincial governments across Canada, is set to expire at the end of March. 
Ag ministers from across the country took baby steps forward on implementation of the new program during a virtual federal-provincial territorial meeting on Friday, according to Manitoba Ag Minister Derek Johnson. He's confident Manitoba's bilateral deal with the federal government and subsequent details about federal-provincial funded programs for the next five years will be announced in the coming weeks. While canola prices turned lower yesterday, the week ending that day was full of range-bound trade activity with little movement. The March canola contract traded within a range of $832 to $846.70 per metric ton during the week, settling at the low end of the range after falling $5.20 yesterday. Winnipeg-based trader Jerry Clausen of Resilient Commodity Analysis says that a weekly one-day surge of farmer selling may have been a reason for the declines, but traders may be positioning themselves for the weekend and beyond. He notes we're heading into that Chinese New Year period where it's a little bit slower and also we're not seeing a lot of export demand at these levels because there's kind of a bearish tone on the market for the next month or so. A Canadian ag organization has made a resource available to canola farmers for free to help growers navigate grain contracts. The Canadian Canola Growers Association studied contracts from multiple canola purchasers to provide growers with a summary of clauses found in most contracts. Grain contracts are in an area where farmers may need more support. A 2013 study from the University of Manitoba, for example, found that 47% of surveyed producers only read a portion of their grade contracts and only 17% read the whole document. And one of the first tips in the Canadian Canola Grower Association's resource is to read and understand the whole contract. Highly pathogenic avian influenza in domestic birds in Canada appears to be in check so far this month in most regions of the country outside southwestern BC, but for one recent case in Atlantic Canada. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has confirmed an outbreak of high-path avian flu in what it describes as non-commercial, non-poultry birds at a property in eastern New Brunswick. Details about the property and the type and number of affected birds weren't available, except that the case was detected January 11th in Kent County, north of Moncton. New Brunswick has only seen one other case in North America's current wave of high-path avian flu, detected in a non-commercial poultry flock in Albert County, just south of Moncton, last April. The CFIA released the area around those premises from primary control zone status back on June 7th. The pace of Ukrainian wheat exports is slowly increasing as the war with Russia closes in on the one-year mark. Mark Jekanowski is the chair of the U.S. Department of Agriculture's World Outlook Board. Ukraine wheat exports have been um, relatively strong recently. We increased our uh, Ukraine wheat export forecast by a half million tons to currently at uh, 13 million metric tons. Uh, so, you know, Ukraine is starting to get back toward a, not there yet, but it's getting closer to kind of its historic pace of grain exports. So that's good. 
Meantime, the USDA does not believe the bumper wheat crop in Russia is as large as being claimed. The USDA projects the average Russian wheat yield at 47 bushels an acre, while the Russians claim it is 52 bushels an acre. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and minus 10 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. A geopolitical economist says the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine is going to have serious impacts on future wheat supplies. Peter Zihon spoke at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon this week. This has probably been the last year that Ukraine is going to be a significant player in grain markets around the world. We've seen that the Russians have turned to targeting civilian infrastructure, and in the winter that means going after electricity generation. But by the time we get to summer, I have no doubt they're going to pivot and start going after agricultural processing and collection and distribution as well. So this really is the end of Ukraine as a player, and it's an open question of how large of an output that the Russians can maintain without access to foreign technology or inputs or machinery or insurance. So we're losing two of the great contributors right now. Zihon is very bullish about the wheat market between now and 2030. Wheat is the crop globally that is going to see the greatest decreases in production and the greatest increases in price over the next decade. And I would be very, very surprised if by the end of the decade, wheat has not gone up by at least a factor of foreign prices on a sustained basis. Zihan believes globalization is on the decline, and that will hurt countries like Brazil, which currently is a major grower of soybean and corn. Here we've got a country with a poor capital structure and a broadly hostile geography and a difficult climate zone and no soil nutrients at all. But if it can tap foreign financing in order to build out infrastructure, and if it can tap foreign fertilizer sources, it can make the tropics bloom. And in doing so, it has become one of the world's massive agricultural producers and exporters. But that is all only possible because of the links of globalization. Another loser, in Zihan's opinion, will be China. Globalization is breaking down, so that import-export model is breaking down. And this, remember, is the country that is the most dependent upon energy and agricultural imports. Market in fact, they import 80% of the components that they need in order to grow their own food. So any damage to the international system at all, and the Chinese system simply unravels. When it comes to agriculture, Zihan is very optimistic about North America. Over the next 40 years, global demand for foodstuffs is going to drop. That's unavoidable with deglobalization. But global supply for foodstuffs is going to absolutely crater. So there may be a smaller pie out there, but the slice of it that the upper Midwest and the prairies are going to be getting is just going to be massive than compared to what it is right now. I think North American agriculture is the sector that will do the best globally for the next four decades. Peter Zihan is a geopolitical economist who spoke at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon this week. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. 
U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 155.92. That's down 87. April live cattle trading at 158.97, down 125. March feeder cattle trading at 179.95, down 177. April feeder cattle trading at 184.92, down 137. February lean hogs trading at 76.55, down 77. April lean hogs trading at 84.17, down 202. And that's the livestock market conditions. It's now time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Hello, Cattleman Jr. for Heartland Livestock Services of Yorkton with your market report for the week of January 18th. With our smoking hot prices, we had a large offering on this week. 28.67 in the pre-sort, 548 cows and bulls for a total of 34.50. During the sale, I had an astute cattleman and retired order buyer tell me with our prices and our buyers drove that we are the shining star of the auction mart system, and our prices showed it this week. Buckskin steers, 406 at 335, 499 at three and a quarter. 567 is at 311, 637 at 297.50, 775 at 258, and the big buckskin steers at 868 at 250. On the block steers, 487 pounds at 321.50, 567 weights at 309, 637, 295.50, 856 at 248. On the red X steers, 643 pounds at 295, 712 weights at 269 and a quarter, and your 861 weights at 246. On the heifer trade, buckskin heifers 496 at 254, 633 at 237, 779 weights at 228.50. On the block heifers 496 at 260.50, 636 weights at 234.50. On the red X heifers 503 at 249, 640s at 232, and 792 weights at 214. On the cow and bull trade this week, we saw 440 cows average 89.50. D1s 90 to 98. D2s 84 to 89. D3s 72 to 80. Your light shelly cow 62 to 70. On your half rats, a buck 15 to a dollar 56. On the bull trade, we saw 28 big bulls average a dollar 23 with a high of a buck 34. Producers, bread cow sale Friday, January 27, 11 a.m. There will be 150 cows on offer. There's 50 top end block cows coming from Melanoski Farms, bred to Parkwood Black Angus bulls for mid March calving and many other consignments. Producers, pre sorts every week and they're filling up fast, so give us a call to book your cattle. Once again, this has been Junior for HLS Yorkton. Thank you and have a great day. An independent economic analysis shows swine cluster research is boosting productivity in the Canadian pork sector. Swine Innovation Pork General Manager Daniel Ramage explains what swine cluster research is. Well, you know, at, uh, at SIP, our role is to lead research on behalf of the Canadian pork value chain. And uh, we work with partners across industry and universities and government to make that research happen. So really one of our, our flagship programs is the cluster program. Um, and that's part of what we're doing is, is bringing partners together and coordinating researchers. Uh, and that includes with government uh, through programs like Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Agri-Science Cluster Program. Uh, and you know, we're also supported in this by provincial pork organizations. So it's all about bringing partners together to put a focal point on research uh, and to advance research in the interests of Canadian uh, pork producers and the Canadian pork sector. 
He outlines what areas of research they're involved in. So our research targets, they're set through a priority setting process, and that brings the whole value chain together. Um, And, you know, this research priority setting process, it helps us make sure that the research we're investing in um, and focusing on is directed towards the industry's most strategic areas. So, you know, for the pork sector, that would be priorities Uh, Things ranging from animal health and biosecurity, uh, feed and nutrition, port quality, food safety, animal care. Um, And then, of course, things like climate change and the environment have become really big priorities. So, uh, you know, there's more and more consumer interest and a regulatory spotlight on that area. So those are the types of big issues, challenges and opportunities uh, that we can invest through research to advance on behalf of the pork sector. So it's really, really important, uh, and that's what SIP does. Uh, Our role is to be a leader and a facilitator of research on behalf of of pork producers and the pork industry, and we bring partners together, like industry, uh, university, uh, and government, to work together uh, and find ways to make the most of research investments. Ramage says a number of research initiatives have already been conducted. So to date, we've managed over 51 projects, uh, and that's, again, research enabled by industry and government, and it's been valued at over $50 million invested uh, since 2010. So these are really large-scale projects, big projects cut across all the priorities, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, and we've known sort of intuitively and by closely following this research that, of course, it has a really big impact um, and it plays a key role in finding solutions to some of the challenges and the opportunities that face as an industry. Um, so, you know, th- this it's research that's unlocked knowledge and, and insights um, and by investing it, in it are leading to better outcomes and technologies, things that help make the industry more competitive. Um, so, you know, it's led to benefits, things like improved genetics and new vaccines and better feeding strategies and better product quality. Uh, so that's just uh, a few examples of some of the outcomes that we're able to achieve through uh, through these big investments. Um, and, you know, to help quantify the impact of the research that's happened through SIP, we undertook an impact assessment uh, and we've published it on our website and, and the impact assessment makes a clear case for the value of investing in research for, from both the perspective of producers and, and for government. And it helps us say in a confident way that money allocated into pork research in Canada is a very strong investment. He explains who conducted the economic assessment. Well, uh, it was important to have the study done by an independent third party, and that's what we did. So the work was led by a team of experts, uh, people who specialize in these types of of questions in economic analysis, uh, and they looked at SIP research that was completed between 2010 and 2018, and they drilled into what are the impacts of, of that work. And we picked that time frame uh, up until 2018 because it corresponds with 
our first and second swine cluster programs. And it also covers all of the projects that we've fully completed. So uh, that in total represents about $30 million of research that was invested, again, jointly by government and industry uh, into the pork sector. Ramage outlines what was assessed. Well, uh, we looked at the impact of cluster research as a driver for growth in the Canadian pork sector and in the broader economy. So the analysis, it, it, um, it used survey work, for example, um, consulting with producers to understand knowledge transfer. Um, it also did a review uh, that looked at estimating the knowledge that was generated through research investments in the sector. Uh, and then what they did was they used that information to, to support economic modeling that help pinpoint what are the productivity impacts and the broader economic impacts on things like jobs and GDP. And the results have been really uh, eye-opening. Um, you know, it's, it's helping to reinforce why investments in pork innovation are so important, um, both from the perspective of, of, of uh, supporting producers to achieve stronger outcomes and productivity, but also from that perspective of growth and for economic development across Canada. As for the key findings of the assessment? Well, I would say the headline uh, is that cluster research is boosting productivity in the Canadian pork sector. Uh, And the number behind that is by three and a half percent. So, of course, productivity is really, really important in agriculture and in the pork industry. Uh, and, and that's because we depend on productivity growth, things that are gonna drive new knowledge and, and new improvements, better ways of doing things. So we can take, for example, uh, research that helps reduce feeding costs or better biosecurity protocols that are reducing on-farm losses. Those are the types of things that support producer productivity, and competitiveness. So when we think about a three and a half percent boost to productivity, that's a really, really important outcome. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the economic benefits of this research, what we found is it goes beyond pork producers and processors. And that's important for government to know when they're investing in research. Uh, you know, the, the message that Canada is better off because a more productive pork sector supports higher incomes and and new jobs and investment. Uh, And then ultimately, what our impact study found is that for each dollar that's spent on cluster research, an additional new dollar is being added to Canadian GDP. Um, So overall, really strong contributions to economic growth here. Ramage tells us who benefits from this type of research. Well, what the study shows is research investments through SIP are a win-win for government and for industry. Uh, And when we work together to make these research investments that benefit pork producers, they end up with higher productivity, and then that spins off into benefits for all Canadians. Uh, And so I think that's a really important thing to take home, especially now as we're, we're looking towards the future and, and preparing for the next swine cluster program, uh, and that's going to enable 
research upcoming from tw- from uh, 2023 up until 2028. Um, that's something that's really important to keep in mind is, is just the, the importance of investing in research and that understanding that by in- enhancing the support that we provide towards innovation in the pork sector, uh, we can really help to make sure that the, the sector is staying ahead of the curve to benefit uh, producers and to be globally competitive. And then alongside that, there's really a, a, a good understanding here that research is also going to translate into important economic growth outcomes and development across Canada, just given the importance of the sector. So that's really a, a key takeaway from uh, what we found in this study and something that really supports continued investment and enhanced investment uh, in pork innovation in Canada. And he says the report is readily available to the public. The report's available on our website, and that's at www.swineinnovationpork.ca, and it's located in the About Us section uh, under the Reports category. Daniel Ramage is the General Manager of Swine Innovation Pork. It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at 825.30 down $11.40. May canola trading at $8.2480, down $11.10. March Minneapolis wheat trading at $904 and a quarter, that's up three and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at $8.34 per bushel, down seven and a half cents. March Chicago wheat trading at $7.35 and a quarter, down seven and a quarter cents. March corn trading at six seventy-seven and a quarter, down four cents. March soybeans trading at fifteen thirteen per bushel, down eleven and a half cents. March oats trading at three sixty-four and a quarter, down six and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Your farm bulletin board is next. The Ag Awareness Summit with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture to celebrate 10 years of work to build public trust in the industry. This event will bring people together from across the agricultural spectrum, from crops and livestock to horticulture and poultry production, as well as large and small-scale farms, agribusinesses, researchers and government. They're pleased to offer several engaging opportunities to meet leaders across the food system and learn about ways of connecting with consumers. The Ag Awareness Summit will be held in Saskatoon February 14th and 15th and you can register now by going to Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan's website. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's coming up on 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, 
Broadview Musuman Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries, winds south-southeast at 10 to 15, and a high of minus 7. For tonight, cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries, winds west increasing to 10 to 20, a low of minus 9. For tomorrow, partly sunny, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20 and gusting to 30 in the afternoon, a high of minus 4, a low of minus 11. For Saturday, partly sunny, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 5. For Sunday, a 60% chance of snow showers, a high of minus 2. And Monday, a 50% chance of early flurries, then partly sunny, the temperature falling to minus 10. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 14 degrees. Dauphin and Show Lake Russell, minus 10. Brandon, minus 8. Roblin, minus 11. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington are at minus 6. Saskatoon, minus 5. Hudson Bay, minus 9. Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, minus 8. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky. Calm conditions, 91% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 10 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.